So, new sermon series starts today, but we kind of had a a pre-week last week talking about the prodigal son. And as Steve said before, we would love it if you read that prodigal God's book. And it describes how the story of the prodigal son, which we looked at last week, do go and look that up if you weren't there, Luke 15, talks about how there's these two uh, sons. Jesus tells this parable and we think it's to do with these sons. We think the purpose of the parable that God says is to describe how we as sons and daughters of God come home or how we react like the elder brother did. But actually, the the whole encompassing point of the story is God's heart for his children. We make it about us, but actually, it's always about God. And we need to put God at the centre of that story. And that's the whole point of this whole sermon series. We're putting God at the centre and we're looking at how he reveals himself in different names for these next few weeks. The 9.30 congregation laughed at me when I tried to give you the titles of the sermons because they're all in the Hebrew. No. So I'm going to, no, I'm going to say the English translations of the names of gods. We have today, Yahweh. (laughs) We've then got the Lord Almighty, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord who provides, God who sees. Yahweh Rope, which is Lord who heals. You can see why they would have laughed, because I would have done them all as well. And then Abba, we end with Abba, which is the name that Jesus says that we can call God the Father. But today, as we kind of delve into the start of this sermon series, I'm going to focus mainly on names and what names mean in Old Testament scripture. I went climbing this past week with a friend and I got on the train, went down to Sandhills, went to the climbing hangar and me and my friend go bouldering, we go climbing and when I was there I bumped into somebody who I was at school with. Now that may seem normal for you but it is abnormal for me because my school was in Cambridge and obviously this is Liverpool so most people have stayed down south. I hadn't seen this person for 13 years. Um, we didn't necessarily stay in contact particularly. And so we just got started chatting. And within like, sort of five minutes, we were just describing what our life has been like for the past 13 years. And I said, oh, and I got married a few years ago um, to Hannah. And I said it. And I was like, that will mean absolutely nothing to him. As in, yes, I got married to a girl named Hannah, but the name Hannah, even though it has a meaning, which means grace, the name Hannah doesn't reveal anything about who this lady is on the front row. It doesn't reveal anything to this guy, John, who I met from my school days. It doesn't mean anything to him. So in that moment, I was then describing what Hannah was like, what her character is, what her nature is. That made him get to know who Hannah was, rather than me simply saying the name Hannah. And this is the point about names in the Old Testament. 
Listen to this scholar who says this about names. In the Hebrew scriptures, a personal name was often thought to indicate something essential about the bearer's identity, origin, birth circumstances, or the divine purpose that the bearer was intended to fill. Your name said something more about you than simply who you were called. It was who you were, your inner essence, your being. And we've got so many examples in the Old Testament of how names signify identity and purpose and meaning behind that person, their character. Take Abraham, whose name changed to be Abraham. So Abraham means exalted father. God then changes Abraham's name to Abraham. And if you know anything about the character of Abraham that we have in the Genesis stories, God says to Abraham, you are going to father many nations. He describes how the stars in the sky won't be as many children, grandchildren and subsequent generations that he has. What does the name Abraham mean? It means father of many nations. So when he said, hi, I'm Abraham, people would have seen something to do with his name that reveals who he was, his purpose, his nature, his character. Almost like a kind of one word autobiography of who you are. Are you understanding the difference between how we use names now, which, yes, We call our children names for particular reasons. We might like the names. But there's less about a significant meaning behind the names now as it was back in the Old Testament. I say that. This is a personal example. But we called Zachary and Primrose Zachary and Primrose because we like the names. They do have meanings behind them. When um, we were pregnant, um, this... (laughs) It was a joint endeavour, Steve. When we were pregnant, indeed, Hannah, I had to take some of the strain. Um, We truly felt that God gave us a purpose behind this baby's life, who obviously we hadn't met yet. And we felt the Lord say to us that the baby that we would have would be an evangelist, a, a messenger of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we had a boy's name that meant that and we had then evangeline which means messenger of the good news or evangelist so we chose her name because we felt god say there's something significant about this child this baby and we wanted to call the name as a result so some we sometimes do it but in the majority of the time we call our children the names because we like them and this isn't the case in the old testament Let's just turn to our passage because we see the name that God gives himself. God reveals himself in this passage. This is verses 18 and 19. And do follow it with me if you want. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I mean, just wow. Wow. And I will proclaim my name, Yahweh, 
in your presence. When Penny read the passage, you'll have noticed maybe that Lord, which is how we translate Yahweh, was in capitals. Whenever it says it in capitals in our Bible, it means Yahweh. That's how we translate it. So Moses is saying to God, they're having a direct conversation, saying, show me your glory. In essence, I want to see your presence. I want to experience you rather than just have a head knowledge about you, a head relationship with you. I want to know of who you are. I want you to reveal yourself to me. What a bold thing for Moses to say. What a bold thing for Moses to ask of God. And what does God say? What does Yahweh say? He says, yes, I will reveal myself to you. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, Yahweh, in your presence. God reveals himself to Moses. The passage continues. God gives Moses some instructions The tablets which the original Ten Commandments were written on, Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai prior to this, he'd come down, and because he'd been up there a while, he comes down and the Israelites are worshipping a golden calf which they've made. They've sort of even forgot about God only within a few weeks of Moses' absence. So this is like take two of the stones, so he gives him a bit of instruction, but then this is the bit about God revealing himself. This is 34 verses 5 and 6. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him. Just try to picture yourself as Moses on Mount Sinai and God is coming and revealing himself to you. And proclaimed his name, Yahweh. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, or as he would have said it, Yahweh, Yahweh. Moses is enveloped on the mountain by God himself. He said to God, I want to see you in your full glory. I want you to reveal yourself fully to me. And God says, yes. So he goes up to the mountain and God does as he says. Now, the Exodus story that we haven't read, the previous chapters to this, there's these big instructions about how the Israelites are to make the tent of meeting, the tent of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and loads of stuff surrounding the place where God will dwell, which was in a specific place surrounded by curtains, which only very select few people could go into. Only certain people could go to be within the presence of God. And Moses is saying, I want you to reveal yourself to me. How incredible is it that God reveals himself to Moses? Wouldn't you love that to be the case for you? God enveloping you, revealing himself fully to you. The blessing is, that we live after the days of Jesus. Because Jesus, when he died on the cross to take away all of our sin onto his shoulders, 
at the exact moment in the temple, the curtain which separated God and his dwelling place and his people was ripped in two. That's the Easter story. God reveals himself to us all now. So we can picture this story and have this amazing image of God being enveloped by God, God revealing himself to this one particular man, Moses. But we can know that that can be our experience too. We don't just have to have a head knowledge of God. We can have a heartfelt experience of who he is. Back to the text. He says, Yahweh, Yahweh. Now, in reality, that name doesn't actually reveal who Jesus, who God is yet. So we need to backtrack slightly. This is Exodus 3, passage about the burning bush. Very famous one. Moses says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, and this is how we would translate Yahweh. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is God's name, Yahweh. And he is consistent and constant because we could say I am who I am in a different way. We could say it is whatever I am, I will be. Whoever I am as God, I will be consistently, forever, eternally. What is unhelpful for Moses at this point, however, is I am who I am doesn't reveal God's character to him yet. We're going to skip forward slightly to Exodus 6. And this is what God says. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty. And we will look at God Almighty in a future week. But my name, the Lord. And when he says his name, he's talking about his one word autobiography, his nature. I did not make myself fully known to them. So we see the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and they did not get the full experience, the full revelation of Yahweh himself. Moses is the first person to have God fully reveal himself to him. And how does he do that? How does he reveal his nature? Well, back to our passage for today. This is verse 6 of 34. Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. 
yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. We won't look at that last sentence, but we'll look at the first few. This is one of the few places in the Old Testament where God describes himself for himself. This for Jews is like the Christian's version of John 3.16. Jews come back to this passage and they say, this is God's revelation of who he is. This is his name, Yahweh, and his nature and those things that he just said. This is so significant. This is so significant that God reveals himself. Yet he reveals himself as I am who I am and forever I will be. So let's look at those few things that God says who he is, his nature and his character. And I'm just going to compare them to the prodigal son that we had last week. So Yahweh reveals that he is consistently, never changingly compassionate and gracious. I am who I am and I am for whoever, sorry, for, for forever. And that is, I'm going to be compassionate and gracious forever. Let's link that to the prodigal son. This is the father in the prodigal son story. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw the younger son and was filled with what for him? Compassion. God has revealed his heart for his people when he reveals himself to Moses. We then have the full revelation of God himself in Jesus, and Jesus tells a story about the Father who he is in an intimate relationship with and says, the Father in the story of the prodigal son, who is God the Father, Yahweh, he is compassionate. So what we hear from Moses, what God saying to Moses, we hear Jesus saying again, God the Father, Yahweh, is eternally compassionate and gracious. Maybe we need to hear that afresh again today. Maybe we're going through something that you just think, I am finding this really difficult. Where is God in this? Yahweh, where are you in this? And God is saying, I am truly, forever, consistently, everlastingly, always compassionate. And we can hold on to that. Hold on to that truth and that promise, even in those times that are difficult and seemingly God has abandoned us. He has not. He has not. Because he is forever compassionate and gracious. The second thing in the list of characteristics that Yahweh himself reveals about himself is that he is slow to anger. He is consistently, never changingly slow to anger. We see that again in the story of the prodigal son. The father in the story could have been angry with his son, saying to him, I want you dead, I want your inheritance now. Was he angry? No. Could he have been angry when he sees his son coming up the drive and thinking, what on earth does he want now? He has said that he wants me dead, yet he's coming back. Was he angry? No. Was he angry with the elder son 
when the eldest son couldn't see the significance and importance of the family being reunited once more? No. Jesus reveals the characteristics of the father Yahweh in the story of the prodigal son. And again, he shows his abounding in love and faithfulness because Yahweh reveals himself to be consistently, never changingly, abounding in love and faithfulness. The son has come. The father says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Yahweh is abounding in love for us all. The father in the story of the prodigal son abounds in love for his younger, disobedient, rebellious son that comes home. Again, do we need to be hearing that truth once more? That God's love for us is consistent, everlasting, never changing, always and forever abounding over us. Because God himself revealed it to Moses and Jesus revealed it to himself, with himself through his incarnation. And that love continues because it maintains love to thousands, as it says in our Exodus passage. The link to the prodigal son, I would say, is this. This is the elder son the father is talking to. My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father's love continues on and on and on and on to the thousands, infinitely, never changing, always and forever. Even, even when we are wicked and rebel in sin against him. Because Yahweh in Exodus 34 reveals that he is consistently, never changingly forgiving of our sins and our wickedness and our rebellion. The father and the prodigal son but while he was still a long way off looking for his younger son, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him. And he kissed him. God's name, Yahweh, reveals his true nature, character to us. And because of Jesus, that is open for us today. Just one final point before we sing and worship together. Notice Moses' response when God himself reveals him to Moses. Verse 8. Moses bows down to the ground at once and worshipped. I mean, literally, God has just revealed himself to Moses. Because he didn't reveal himself to Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, but he reveals his name, his fullness to Moses 
What can Moses do apart from get on his knees and worship him? That is why we worship today. We worship God the Father because his heart of love for us. And all we can do is thank God for that. And we do that in worship. We are going to worship together. So why don't we stand and I'll just lead into that. And I'll just pray as we do. There's going to be people on this right-hand side that would love to pray over you. For anything that today has struck a chord within you. Maybe today you want to experience God, Yahweh, just like Moses did. And maybe you never have before in that way. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, tore that curtain open so that God is no longer contained, but is open to us all. Maybe you are going through something where you are thinking... I don't feel the compassion and graciousness of God. I don't feel his abounding love in my life. Come out and be prayed over that you would feel that either for the first time or afresh today. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you revealed yourself, your name, your character, fully who you are. Thank you, Lord, that that is open to us today. Open for us by your son, Jesus. May we now worship you because, Lord, that is all we can do when you reveal yourself to us.